You are now listening to Rest Days. It is important to note before we dive into this week's episode that some of the topics we cover may be sensitive or triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Rest Days. My name is Maria Sylvester Terry and I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Lavelle. Hello friends, I am Lauren Lavelle and I am a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, content creator, and a firm believer that you should have a pair of indoor and outdoor slippers. Beautiful. Uh, my name is Maria Sylvester Terry. I'm a registered dietitian. I live in New Orleans and somebody who loves her two dogs. I never put my laundry away, but I always clean it. And uh, I'm the person who always sniffs the water bottle before she puts anything in it. Oh, same. Yeah. I know same. people that don't do this and I'm a little scared for them. But you let me get- tell you why I do that. Number one, most importantly. Because Scott always puts our shit away with a top on it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's Caleb too. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, my dude? <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing, and that's the problem. So we'll cover that next time. Uh, before we get into it today, today we're talking about back to school. We're actually going to do a two-part series on back to school. This episode is all about deconstructing the things that we've learned, the terrible things about back to school all those things that maybe uh, followed us into adulthood and aren't so great. And next week, we're going to talk through how do we rekindle our relationship with those things. Before we get started, we're going to introduce to you a concept called clickbait. And it's when Lauren and I share something we haven't shared with each other that we have seen on social media, TikTok, wherever, that we're going to share with you. And it is um, at minimum absurd and at maximum, probably totally awful. So here we go. Lauren, you're first. Um, My clickbait this week last week and maybe the week before is something is wrong with your neck that's what the the overarching theme is so mostly it is a contraption that you use the contraption is different these are different ads this is an overarching genre of clickbait something's wrong with your neck do you have a humpback do you have like and it, these ads will convince you that everyone does. That is a legitimate thing that some people have. These ads will make you think that that is something that happens to everyone because you're looking at your phone. And then they will present to you the solution, which is a contraption mm. made from probably like things you can find in your basement or your garage. Like someday, like what, someone just put it together and was like, this pillow will fix your neck. So is there something wrong with your neck? And then you go down the rabbit hole. If you look at one of them, your neck will never be the same because you're gonna have 33 products. One of them is just like massaging balls on this side of your neck. One of them is a pillow that looks like a bike seat. I swear to God. Um, Doesn't look like it's gonna provide any comfort at all. And the reason this is my clickbait is because it's not like, I've had people messaging me about this, like as a trainer, um, which like we will 
at some point get into how far the term trainer goes, but sure. like people are messaging me like, what about these things for your neck? And I'm like, what about them? According to them, literally every one of us is being held up by one thread. Our, ne- <laughs> our neck <laughs> is being held up by a thread and we need a bike seat or massaging balls or a really, really buff dude to like put his knee on your chin <laughs> and his other knee on your other shoulder and like crack your back. So is something wrong with your neck? clickbait. Wow. And so what's amazing is once you fix your neck hump that you inevitably have, you can now watch these ads without a neck hump. Is that the idea? You can now do I guess social media hump free. Actually, no, your fatigue will be gone. You will get a better job. <laughs> um, you will never catch the common cold. <laughs> oh my God. And that's because your neck was absolutely fucked up before. Incredible. I'm so glad that you could share that with us today. Um, everybody just do a little self-check for neck hump and, you know, maybe that'll be one of our first sponsored ads just, just for uh, ish and gigs, right? As seen on TV. Uh, incredible. I have something as seen on Instagram for you. And it was actually sent to me from a dietitian, Emily Fields. Uh, she said, don't worry, it's here. And it is for those of you on Patreon, I actually have the picture for you. It's the first ever vegan whey protein. I'm waiting for the light to hit. So um, I'm just going to let that sit with you for a second. Vegan whey. So um, those two don't correlate because whey is a, one of the two proteins in milk. And that's the main protein that's used to make most, uh, most studied and most sold protein powder. And so okay. the fact that it is vegan whey, um, can you even imagine how they produce this? So I'm going to go, I'm going to throw out that they're milking peas. <laughs> yeah. They're just squeezing them. They're just lightly massaging the peas until they juice it out. So it says higher protein count versus regular way, no bloating. And it's the cleanest way on the market. I guess it got a little extra bath. Um, the concern I have with this is that it is cleaner in some capacity and more protein, but they're actually just changing the, they're creating the DNA sequence for milk protein outside of cows. So it's sort of like uh, when you make meat in uh, in a lab. So it really is the ultimate GMO. It is, um, yes. It is the ultimate uh, number one place gold trophy GMO. And not that there's anything wrong with GMOs. They're actually what is keeping us alive. Correct. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but I think that that is really interesting to juxtapose. Well, not, number one, juxtaposing vegan and whey feels like a lot. But then yes. also like the cover under the cover of clean, when a lot of times those definitions don't um, include anything that's a GMO, you know? Yes, yes. And to think that vegan and whey can be together at last as a clean product. And it's a protein powder, which some people would say is processed and isn't clean de facto, right? Like because of that, it can't be a clean item. So I just found it to be the most absurd thing. And of course it is an iconically thin woman, blonde hair, light skin, and she's able to Her say- Her skin is not actually light though. Well, you're right. It, it is um, it is a little twinge uh, burnt sienna maybe. Yeah, it's bronze. Bronze, yeah, bronzer, I think that is the phrase. Um, it's, and like, she's just there happily thin, holding it up with her long blonde hair. And I'm just, I'm just sort of not here for it, but that's the clickbait for me this week. Um, so thanks for sharing. We've got clean way and we've got 
neck humps for all. Yeah. Just um, send us an email for your free sample. We've got (laughs) an incredible lineup of conversation today. Um, We haven't really talked through a lot of these, but just a general outline for y'all. We're going to talk through back to school, some of the elements of the original BTS. Yes. The original BTS. We're talking perfect schedule uniforms. We're talking PE class. That's Lauren's specialty. And we're talking school lunch. That's where I'll, I'll just jump in a little bit too. Can we um, pause at PE class being Lauren's specialty? <laughs> that, those, those things have never been said together ever, ever, ever. Until right now here on rest days, we've got Lauren as your PE teacher as an adult. Uh, so we're going to walk through it and uh, we welcome you to share any of your questions. If you're on our Patreon, we'd love to hear your feedback, especially what did we miss and what could we cover in maybe a, a deep cut episode after this. So I think let's just dive right in. It's September 16th, the day that we are recording this. So we are really in the throes of Staples deals and Office Max and you getting the perfect Back planner. to school night. Back, back to, to school, school night. night. Yes, I had clients who rescheduled this week because of back to school night. And consider for yourself that that might be the original part of your life where you were introduced to a perfect schedule. So Lauren, let's just kind of walk through it. What is so not helpful about this introduction to time management and organization as it pertains to like this perfect school schedule? Yeah, I think that for me, as someone who was in these like classes that were considered air quotes advanced and everything, there was just a lot of pressure to be in that perfect schedule. And if anyone knows me literally for three minutes, they know (laughs) that a schedule is not it for me. I love a good schedule, but I think that that's a lot of pressure to show up. And some days you just don't feel that way. So obviously, you know, education, you're showing up, you have to, you have to have some structure, but I think that schedule can kind of, uh, for an anxious kid, like I was, it was a lot. Like I cried a lot before school because it was just, there was so much going on. It was always a rush. I was water bottle exploding and backpack kid. So we can get into that. (laughs) Yeah. I think a little bit about how there was always time for things, right? Like there was a time for everything with this perfect schedule, but it always felt like I was in a rush too. Like there just was never enough time to get to class. There was never enough time for the bus to get me to school. Like I was always just hyper anxious about missing the bell, right? I felt like (laughs) everything was by the bell. There was a show saved by the bell. Like everything, everything was around that element of not only is there a time and a place, but there's also a sound that's going to remind you to get where you need to be. Um, I also, I went to an all girls private Catholic school and they gave us the luxury of a planner uh, that was mm-hmm. for the year. And it was like, had artwork on the front from a student. And that was- That's pretty- what the money went to, huh? That's where all the money went. Um, I wouldn't know because uh, my parents, <laughs> they sent me and they're like, you're going to work really hard and you're going to get scholarships. But somebody's oh. money went to that. And- I want you to know that that schedule was sort of the moment where everyone in that school, even if they were type C or type B or type A minus became type A, because it just was this little planner with a ruler. Y'all probably know exactly what I'm talking about. They give them schools everywhere that plastic rulers in there and the ways in which we would color code and write all our homework and write everything we could possibly need in that planner. If you lost the planner, you lost your life. And I feel that there are adults now 
that live that way, right? If you lose your calendar, you lose your planner, you have no concept of what you even do every day, which is a really uh, shitty holdout from this back to school time. And I kind of wish we could live a little bit more flexibly. I love hearing that you said we wrote everything down in our planner. Cause I want <laughs> you to know as a kid, we got planners at, from some of our schools and then like other, you know, in high school, it was like recommended. Um, I'm going to say September 23rd was the last day I would write in that planner <laughs> of every that's year. A, that's actually a good problem. A good bit of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Like I, that poor thing, like they had stickers, those never got used. Like I, I just oh, couldn't. Yeah. So I think, I think that that's also the, the great debate with the planner, right? It's like, yeah, you can have everything planned out, but like sometimes you're not going to open the planner. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's sort of like diet starts Monday because sometimes you're just, your time management is terrible comes. and you just, everything's a mess. And you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start writing in my planner again. And <laughs> becomes this mess of over organization and then you are you get to Friday and you're like screw this um I forgot about the stickers I guess that is a plus uh Lisa Frank stickers really were were the move um if you wanted to judge it up a bit um there's also an element that's not put in your planner but as adults we might plan these things now um I'm thinking bathroom breaks I'm thinking recess bus schedules Lauren did you write the bus or walk how did you get to school girl anyway I could no um I was spoiled my entire life and my grandparents would take me to school because I always went to a school that was out of my district so uh that's definitely an uh that's an episode an episode for another day <laughs> um my district was fine just apparently not enough for me mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, a lot of carpooling because there was always like someone in the neighborhood who was also going to that school. Um, so a lot of carpooling, a lot of wheeling and dealing, a lot of hanging out with friends after school. So mm -hmm. like walk to a secondary location kind of thing. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I really do like feel like I missed out on not being able to take a bus. And I'm a germaphobe and I don't like people. So maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see the bus and like the brown leather seats and all the patches. I don't think see that. Mm -mm. I don't see that working out for you now or you ever. <laughs> no, it's there very germy. I spent, um, I don't want to know how many hours I spent on a school bus. I, I was a similar situation. My parents didn't want to send me to school where I lived. Um, they sent me about 20 minutes out of my neighborhood. However, it took an hour on the bus because there was, you know, a whole bus of kids that were doing the same thing. And I spent so much time in the bus and it always picked me up in front of the house. And then high school came, I got the bus down the street and I had to share the bus with the boys school. And I just, I, I had some bullying on the bus in grade school, but I was more of the like, you know, you just, I didn't feel like I was messed with so much in elementary school, at least by the kids. <laughs> when I got to high school, the boys were terrible. And I remember like grabbing a student by the shirt and tie and just like giving it to him, like yelling at him for being so mean to me and my friend. And I thought, man, the bus is just such a jungle. It's, you just don't know what is lurking, what is under the seats. You don't know what kid has fallen asleep in the back and it's been there all night. There was always a kid who fell asleep on the bus and like made it back to the depot. Is this 
I don't know if you've ever no. heard of that happening. Yeah, that's like a that was a thing at where I'm from. So well, maybe where all buses, school buses situate themselves. Where all, where all school buses go to live. Right. So school buses are one thing, the schedule, you know, getting up in time, not missing the bus, running after the bus. That's a whole thing that brings a lot of anxiety. And when I lived in Philadelphia, I was always nervous about catching the bus. It just followed me into adulthood of like, oh my gosh, is there whatever am I gonna somewhere to sit? Not, not going on the bus followed me into adulthood. <laughs> I, in Philadelphia, I will take the train and walk upwards of 30, 40 minutes to avoid taking a bus. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Because when I lived in Philly, Lauren would walk from Fairmount to Center City like, yeah, I'll be there in 30. <laughs> I was like, why not take the one bus that is direct shot? Oh, my God. Absolutely <laughs> not. I would be huffing it through the city and I still can do that walk probably faster than most people yeah because the train leaves yeah the train leaves like in two minutes and I'm running down the stairs yeah it's an incredible skill that you have Um, I admire your fast walking (laughs) and it also opened my eyes like maybe I don't need to live and die by the bus so I started walking to Fairmount to take your class um when you were yeah yeah you were in Fairmount that's right so let's talk a little bit about recess and bathroom breaks um I think that'll kind of close us up here with this perfect schedule I think it's a great place to to kind of close it because this is the one thing that I see so many of my clients struggle with is taking time for themselves and so bathroom breaks there was always the guilt right of the teacher that would be like you just went so it's like you're the kid with the bladder issue you were fucked if you had any sort of issue with like, you know, you need to do a job, you need to had to like change your tampon. It was like always a thing. Recess was like your time to breathe, but sometimes it wasn't because lunch went over or kids got in trouble. What was your situation with going to the bathroom in school and being able to have like free time? Okay. We're talking about school. So uh, number one, I could go, um, but I was not asking to go. Like I could hold, I can hold my pee pretty much all day. Um, this again goes back to me, the germs, the communal mm. spaces, but like, yeah, no, like it would have to be desperate times. And I was drinking water too. So like, it was you're just, holding it. Oh yeah. It was just don't move too much. If, <laughs> if, the, AC, if, if the AC was blasting, I'm done. I got to go pee. Um, cause you know, you start shivering. It's just over. Yeah. Um, the, the muscles can only take so much. Yeah. I can't do two things at once. I can't like the, the pelvic floor is giving up. Um, and I'm like in third grade, <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, no, it was a no for me. I actually truthfully, truthfully in like the, th- it was like the third grade. Like my mom took me to like my doctor, my pediatrician. They were like, you have to stop holding your pee. Oh my God. Yeah. Like you're going to get like a UTI or some kind of infection. I don't know. You know, I don't know any. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but they were no. like, no, like they, they tried scare tacticing me out of it, but like, number one, didn't ever happen. Number two, like, what you going to do? You're going to come, like, you're going to write a note says Lauren has to go to the bathroom every every time there's free time. <laughs> yeah, right. It was a, it was a you thing. It wasn't your school. It was a you No, thing. it was yeah. me. It yeah. was me. And like, and like, I think definitely that transferred over to like, how, how do I work for myself? And I'm always on the edge of like about to pee. Like, <laughs> like it has to get to the point where it's like May day, May day. Um, <laughs> like girl, all you've been doing is like, 
at your own computer. Yeah. There's nobody here. But like, I think it's just how I work. And it's almost like it's acting as this outside motivation. Like, can I finish this task? Before yeah. Time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had that on my stories this week. If anybody saw that, this kind of like, let me just get one more thing in. It was almost a productivity thing. Of, well, like, mm-hmm. let me try to finish this before I have to go. Um, I always struggled with like feeling like the teacher would think I was weird for going to the bathroom. So my bathroom habits were always just like, it's, you know, super anxious. I didn't know it, but I was always overthinking the bathroom piece. I want to see you. Sorry. I, I, I will say I've never, I didn't poop in a school building until college. I never pooped in school. Me neither. No, I was, I'd rather that. die. Yeah, no, I was holding that. If I was in the bathroom too long, I just assumed people thought I was pooping. And then that was, not the gonna work for me yeah mm, yeah not gonna happen and yet people pooped all the time and I was like oh, that's cool they're pooping but for me mm-mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. and don't get me started on camp because that was a week <laughs> of pure pain <laughs> I didn't go to camp but I can only imagine what that episode's about <laughs> holding it all week literally oh we're not getting into it yeah dude. we won't we're gonna we're gonna go past it The last thing I'll say is recess, right? So I had in elementary school, I had a morning break and then I had lunch recess. By high school, I had uh, a really long lunch period. So it was kind of like you had free time after you ate. Um, I I mean, I don't really think I give myself much of a recess in in the adult, like in my own business. I definitely don't give myself enough recess. Uh, I'm curious, did you, what did you do at recess if you had it? And do you give yourself recess now? Okay. Um, first of all, just like every queer witch in the world, I did flower crowns. At oh, absolutely. And Irish um, dancing. Anyone else do Irish dancing? Because <laughs> you lived in the Philadelphia suburbs. <laughs> all right. Um, no, I didn't do that. I don't know if that's a cross the board experience. <laughs> that's a super, super niche. Yeah. You're like, it's casual. We did Irish dancing. No. So um, my two personalities fully represented by what I did at recess most of the time, Um, flower crowns and marriage ceremonies. I was the officiant. Of course you are. Yes. And wait, picking up trash. Oh, Laura, that is just so perfect for you picking up trash I'm into it and that means going for a walk around to find the trash which is very much still your recess talking to the recess teachers yeah not my peers never no never the peers (laughs) it's so sad no it's great it's great I don't I think I, I I'll be honest I think I blacked out a little bit some of the stuff from recess because I don't I don't know. I just activity and we'll get into activity was just so uh, physical activity is so bad um, for me growing up and my idea of what I was allowed to do. I would do swings. So we always had swing sets. And I remember doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was pretty good at chilling out. Um, you know, it's like sitting and talking. I loved jump rope so <laughs> much um, and performances. So if we were like getting ready for the talent show, which was, you know, we were getting ready eight months in advance, everyone. Oh yeah, Lauren. I was the exact opposite of you for sure. 
we would per- we would practice our dances. I had a friend who did Irish dance and she would perform and it was like a whole thing. There was a lot of Irish dancers. I was not. I'm I'm mostly Italian. Say Irish dancers one more time. <laughs> this uh, this whole podcast SEO is destroyed because of this <laughs> section of the podcast. So that I mean I found that recess really funny enough, I was just kind of waiting to go back in. And I think Same. so much of my free time now is like, when do I have to go back to work? And I'd love Same. to unpack that with, uh, with my therapist at some point. Yeah. I think that when we're circling, like when we're circling back to like recess now, I feel like I'm, I'm better at it than I was as a child. Um, and then I was three to four years ago. To mm, be honest. That's good. Um, yeah, I think recess in the same way that you said I was waiting to go back inside um I was ready I was I was like please someone make me sit on the red line so I don't have to socialize (laughs) um uh but yeah I think now I I'm I'm getting better at recess and I'm excited to talk more about like other people's ideas of adult recess yeah that could be pretty cool if we ever run a retreat Lauren I think we might have to riff it on recess I got my bills yeah. Oh yeah. Bring the bells. <laughs> you know, I love living by the bell. That's how I was raised. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to switch gears here. Y'all, if you've probably been waiting for this, many of us have uh, been accustomed to wearing uniforms to school and now we might wear, I'm wearing my uniform dietitian shirt. I always rep my gym pretty much every day. Um, you're repping Scott's work so that all yeah. checks out. Right. So uniforms, and we're also going to segue into changing for PE class. So that's kind of towards the end of this conversation. If you're kind of waiting for that, Lauren, uh, did you wear a uniform? I wore a uniform for most of my K through 12, not the whole time, K through second, no uniform, third through sixth uniform, seventh, eighth out there in the depths, in the, in the deep of of middle school. No, 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 absolutely not. Homeschool me immediately. Mm -mm. And then then ninth through 12th uniform. Woo. Oh, I didn't know this gap. What on earth was that like? Times were tough. Um, so yeah, obviously K through second, I was probably very cute. So who cares? Sure. Yes. Um, and then third through sixth, it was white and navy, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and then spirit shirt. Of course. And then seventh, eighth went to a middle school that was sixth, seventh, and eighth, but I only was seventh and eighth there. Okay. And um, no uniform, free for all. What did you wear? That was the, that was the beginning of like everyone being into yellow card green day. So like, what did you, what was your whole fashion then? Delia's? What was my, my, did I, did did I have Delia's money or (laughs) body? No. I was chunky and I was poor. So you wore Kmart flats. Okay, good. Um, maybe a little, maybe a little dabble in some Aeropostale. Maybe there we go. Yeah, that was Pac a little bit more access, little accessible. Sure. PacSun got some pricey. PacSun sale rack. Um, there it is. Maybe a little, uh, let's see, seventh grade. Wow. What were we doing? Oh, some really good Forever 21s opened up. Um, yeah. So, so dabbling in that grab bag. Um, 
really just struggling to be honest um struggling because I've never been fashionable and because you put me in a uniform for most of my time and because the budget was limited and because I'm a creature of comfort like it was not it was not great and then back and back to high school back to uniform Whew, saved saved by that bell yeah saved by that bell um which was back to navy gold and white oh that's that's a nice color scheme and and I was part of so many clubs I never had to wear a collared shirt because all the clubs had shirts oh cool and they weren't collared <laughs> oh amazing we we got pins for clubs like I was on, oh no spoiler alert to no one I was in student government and wore a freaking sash yeah you were yeah so hall monitor, hall monitor, yeah, hall monitor level um but I, that's pretty cool that you had that flexibility with your uniform that must have been really comfortable yeah that was way easier for me and then also like you know you could also the clubs had sweatshirts as well sweatshirts Ooh. sweater girl you know yeah so you didn't you went to a school with uniforms but it wasn't catholic it no, was a religious. It was, a, it was a public school. Okay. Um, there, there were, there's like seven public schools in that district and like three or four of them required a uniform. My cousin and I both went to the uniformed schools. Her uniform was not, uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad it was navy <laughs> and white. I, I would not have been rocking that maroon. Um, it wouldn't have been for me, but yeah, so obviously there was always flexibility and if you want to talk about bodies that's also where that came in socioeconomically that's where that came in because yep. it was like it's a uniform we all look the same and like some of us are going to like a basic uniform store and getting the collared shirt you know the no-name collared shirts and no-name skorts or whatever we were wearing and then some of us were like getting a $70 polo from Aeropostale or not from mm -hmm. like, what's it called? Hollister. Hollister. Yeah, right. Hollister. I, I couldn't go in the store. I couldn't go in because my it's... allergies were exacerbated. By the, <laughs> the it, was, it was so dark. You couldn't find anything. In Why there. was it dark? <laughs> Why do you make a store that I can't tell the color of anything? It's trouble. It's all trouble. Um, I asked about the religion piece because I also wear a uniform. I did not have the seventh eighth gap. I wore K to 12 uniform um, and it was a Catholic school. So for you, it sounds like the uniform was just kind of like ease and you were able to not have this like forced expression. Whereas in my world, it was a lot of forced purity. I think the uniforms yeah. brought in a lot of like, you're going to cover up. We had, you know, kids wouldn't tuck their shirts in. My high school switched from tuck in shirts to banded bottom shirts so that you couldn't untuck your shirt. It kind of felt like the straight jacket of uniforms in a way. Wait, like, wait, like a sweatpant? Like a sweatpant, like a scrunchie. Mm -hmm. And it was the polo and it was the white button up banded. And so it was just, it looked terrible. On very day, institutional, very institutional. Thank you. I feel validated by that comment. And I just felt like the uniform, I always tried to accept, like give it some accessories. I always wore costume jewelry. I tried to like really push it on hair accessories, push it on rings, necklaces, 
Uh, and then in high school, we were, you know, if we were a blazer, I would like load it with pins that were not related to academics. Like I just tried to have fun. Fallout boy. Yeah. <laughs> Green Day. Three <laughs> times in concert this year. Yeah. There was a lot of that. And I felt like we just tried to make the uniform ours and we were always just pulled from it. So if your skirt was too short, if your sweater had a hole in it, how about if your tights, we wore tights in high school, if they had a hole, you got it to merit. And some people just rip their tights all the time. Like I'd never had nails, probably never will, but people would rip their tights, putting them on like their nails would go right through. We spent, you know, I, I would like decorate my shoes and we'll get demerits for it. So we just had this desire to express ourselves in this uniform and it was uncomfortable. It was stuffy. I did love polo season. That was kind of nice. It was softer. It just kind of felt like the guys could go to school. They didn't wear a uniform. They could change their tie, change their shirt, change their pants. And we had the uniform and it was, you know, a formal uniform with a blazer or with a sweater or a sweater vest, which I'll be honest, the sweater vest was pretty hot. And I've got an interesting, like, look back on this because the uniform gave me confidence in the fact that no one else was going to look that different from me, even though I felt so different and I felt like I looked so different. Mm -hmm. But when a dress down day came, oh my gosh, it was just like, a personality crisis, especially in middle school, not so much in high school. Cause it was like, let's all wear sweatpants, but something about that middle school dress down day was, it was nice. Cause you weren't wearing your uniform, but it was also like, what's everyone else wearing? And yes, Aeropostale. I didn't know what Aeropostale was, but every single like cool person in class was wearing an Aero sweatshirt. And I was like, what is this brand? So I was introduced to that, like iconic labeling gap, et cetera. Like when it was written, like right across your shirt, and it just kind of was another way for me to feel like, oh, I like don't have money for that. That's like something I can't have access to. So the uniform was a yeah. safe space and also a not safe space all at once. I think that's why I still uh, think of my uniform fondly because it eliminated a lot of the decision fatigue for me. And like those conversations of like, oh, what can I wear when my body is like this, which, you know, uh, yeah. is a whole yeah. thing. Right. I do. I do kind of love that. Um, the decision fatigue is still real in my life. I have a friend from this high school time and she calls everything a costume. Like it, like Caleb will ref lacrosse and she's like, Oh my God, his costume looks great. Right. <laughs> and so it's kind of fun to reimagine your cost, your uniform as your costume. And, you know, I live in new Orleans and it's all costumes all the time here. Yeah. Um, and you love costumes. I really do. I have a costume closet now, which I love. You Can we take it. a pause? Yeah. Miss Josie, what's she doing, baby? She's looking around. She's just not interested. Oh, she might. She might chill out with us. If you're uh, watching us, you can see the baby girl. She's going to take a nap. Um, well, I guess we can kind of take this into uh, the most important part of this conversation for, for probably for most of our listeners, which is the things we learn in school, PE class, uh, maybe health as well. I didn't really have health class because (laughs) Catholics don't talk about body parts. (laughs) It didn't seem at least. So I have one note for this and I will share it with y'all. The body of Christ. Right. (laughs) May the spirit be with you. Yes. Um, I have one note for this y'all and I'll read it. It just says, this is a hellscape and there's nothing I need to write here. So my uh, look back on PE class is pretty sad and I'm still working through that. Lauren, take it away. Uh, What's your take on the things that like we really need to deconstruct from PE class? 
Yeah, I think that there's so much potential in PE class. And I think that that's what bums me out more than like the horrible structure that existed for most of us is the absolute potential to like inspire people to Mm. move in ways that are joyful. Um, We'll do a rewind. My elementary PE teacher was horrible. Um, Horrible. I'm not going to get too far into it, but it wasn't just to me, but it was definitely like there was like body things involved. There was health, healthism, Mm -hmm. health things involved. I was a headache girl all the time. Uh, It was probably anxiety. Yeah. Um, I always had a headache for real, like at school. And it was probably like, what, me trying to hold my pee, not eating, (laughs) (laughs) not eating, not breathing, not relaxing my shoulders, clenching my jaw. Like, why does she have a headache? Um, But so there was a lot that went into that. And that just really set the tone for the rest of my physical education. I would also like to say that I did not come from a sport family. So the way that PE and movement was discussed in my household was never positive. Um, Mm. So even if I would have like gravitated towards that, I wouldn't have had the encouragement and the space to do that. Um, And then middle school, middle school PE was actually not that bad for me, um, except one time I did get elbowed in the eye and get a black eye for a week um one of my classmates who was so much taller than me (laughs) we were both like running to get something and he felt so bad this poor kid felt so bad and I was Mm. like mortified like it was like my fault that I got a black anyway um and my PE teacher in high school for eighth or in middle school rather for eighth grade hilarious um, the definition of what you would think about for PE, like a coach with a raspy voice, <laughs> a, te- a teacher and a man on the edge. Okay. He mispronounced people's name on purpose. Of course that all fits. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the names he mispronounced, <laughs> No, but no. they were convenient and they were we all giggled. Um, And so I think that that experience was was like, you know, when we're talking about changing, like that's where the changing in in middle school and the body stuff came into play. Um, You know, there was still a PE uniform. I assume there was a PE uniform for most people. I did. uh, I definitely, I just, here's your standard pants. Um, and everything. So I think that that's where a lot of like body comparison and shame starts um, for a lot of people in PE and that changing portion, Mm. just like, oh my gosh. And then just strictly based on like ability and like ableism in PE, right? Because they really aren't judging you on trying because if they were, they wouldn't be clocking your miles. Right. They wouldn't, that's be, right. They wouldn't be clocking your setup. They're not judging you on trying. They're like mm-hmm. judging you on doing it. Yeah. Like you have to do it. Um, and so being the person that I am completely unathletic and extremely competitive. Oh my God. That was oh a mess. 
Mm -hmm. I would rather, I would rather sprain my ankle running the mile in the time that they wanted me to than to be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm just going to walk. Some people were like, I'll just walk. Like, I yeah, don't care. I'll me. take the, mm -hmm. I'll take the L. Not me. Mm -mm. Wow. Mm -mm. No, I definitely not. did. It's funny. You're going to ask me to do help. something and not do it well? <laughs> and I don't have the capacity to do so? Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, I, I, for everyone who's listening, I didn't realize how different we were until this, these kind of, mo these conversations right now, because I would, I would say I sprained my ankle. I would say I had a headache. I would say I had an asthma attack. I would fake anything to get out of this. And the gym teachers knew. And so by middle school, I felt very targeted. Um, like you said, in elementary school, we kind of were targeted in some capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, it was all about once you were in your gym clothes, like we could wear gym clothes to school when we were in elementary and middle school, you could bring them for high school. I'll, I'll briefly say high school was easy. Like to where I learned yoga. My teacher was really chill. Um, they were all, they weren't sex positive by any means, but health class wasn't horrific. I was in but, dance. I was in dance in high school. There you for go. Everyone who needs okay. To know very good. I was in dance because you didn't have to run. Yeah. Right. Perfect. We were <laughs> able to actually get out of gym class sophomore, junior, senior year, if you joined a gym. So I joined a gym with a friend and we would just, what do you think? Right. elliptical for, uh, two hours, but we would watch TV and we laughed and we made a fool out of ourselves. And some of you would just go scan and leave. Uh, but that would just be a way that we could kind of get the credit, but in middle school and elementary school, you really don't have a way out unless you're going to fake sick or skip school. And I, I skipped school the day that there would be physical fitness tests because I was just, mm -hmm made to feel it, you know, looking back, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for myself because I realized I was being tested on sit-ups, sit and reach, which I, you know, was pretty solid at, um, pull up bar running. And there's probably one more <laughs> Shut, the shuttle run and the mile. And I felt like I never practiced these things all year long. And, <laughs> yeah, I be, and I be tested on them. And so every year, and I will say, I don't, I doubt, this, I doubt this person is listening, but there was a guy in school and he got the physical fitness award every single year and he lived for it. And he's a super physically fit. He always has been. He always will be. That's just his thing is being fit. And I was in love with him. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. So I had all these emotions wrapped up. <laughs> in not being the other, like the, the female counterpart, right? Because you're always a, a top girl and a top boy in school. And I just kind of yeah, felt like- be me. <laughs> well, I was never going to be me. And in fact, one of my worst memories was having to do the, so you either can do pull-ups for reps, which most students couldn't do, or you could do the holds like a- yeah, No, right? I, I mean, and someone could do the hold. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I remember watching one of the girls in my class, I was in sixth or seventh grade. She was, she was up there for a minute. A whole minute. And even to this day with all the strength I have, I don't think I could hold it for a minute. And I remember getting up there and being so scared and I, you know, put my chin up and then I came down. So I had one second and there were a bunch of people with one second, but to me, it felt like this class sets me up for failure with the exception of the, what it's, is it the parachute games? Parachute? Is that what that is? Did y'all ever mm. play that? When you get this like big parachute and you kind of just yeah. like, rumble it and the balls go and yeah, like other than like group activities. But that's or... what you were doing. So like, that's why I was laughing. Cause you're like, oh, we didn't really prep for this. You're like, <laughs> we're like, let's do, let's do like throw bean bags, let's right. do hopscotch. And then all of a sudden it's like, you better run this yeah. mile in under 12 minutes. Or we're going to send a letter home and we're going to tell your parents you're too unhealthy to live. Yeah. It was just very, it was 
very excessive. And to think that I eventually, you know, I played CYO sports uh, every season. I played softball, volleyball. I played basketball. I danced for 10 years of my life. I wore a costume, right? All the time. I performed all the time. So it sort of felt like, why am I so bad at this thing? And why do I feel so much worse about this than the other things? Like if I didn't get the dance move, I kind of knew I'll just go to practice next week and do it again it felt very futile. And that's a terrible feeling to go into movement in college uh, when you've kind of held on to that. Maybe you took a break from hating yourself <laughs> with movement in high school. But you go to college and you're on your own and people work out. I went to a D1 school. Everyone went to the gym. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not a person who gyms. I'm a person who smokes cigarettes, who gets drunk. I'm a person who parties and that's it. And I kind of realized- Not to smoke cigarettes. Yeah, I smoked a lot of cigarettes. And I went to a school where like you didn't, no one smoked cigarettes. I looked so bizarre, but I felt like this is who I have to be because of what I was told as a kid. And I don't know if that resonates for anyone, but I think breaking out of that was so cool to be able to be like, no, I'm going to quit all these terrible habits and I'm going to be a yoga teacher. And that's how I, I trained to be a yoga teacher in college. So it took me a long time. And to this day, I really struggle thinking about school PE. But at the end of the day, it is some guy living on the edge, <laughs> on the end of his rope, who's just sort of struggling to get by probably, or maybe there's a really well-intentioned PE teacher now. But I feel like we also weren't given the best possible physical education. We weren't given real curriculum. Mm-mm. And I have to give a lot of grace to everybody who has played up in that system. Yeah, I think that when we talk about PE and, you know, now the fact that I'm like a glorified PE teacher for some people, um, I think it's just like, that's where a lot of my my feelings and emotions around movement come from today. Like, I'm still very much inspired by the, mm. the stuff that I felt let down about. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, just the idea that you have to run that mile until you're sick or you sprain an ankle or you like pull something like, yeah, you have to do it. And I'm kind of just like, "Mm, you don't though. Um, So I think like reclaiming that relationship with movement. And like I said, my biggest struggle with PE is that it could have just been so much more and it could have been so much better. Um, And it could have really highlighted the, the diversity that we all have and that we all like can bring into physical movement because again it's you know the main structure is like rooted in ableism um and how that could change like that could be changed and I I definitely think there are some people out there based on strictly the post I posted about PE who are PE teachers and were horrified at mm. the stories they were hearing and also just like I hope that that's not me and I I hope to like create an environment where kids do feel included. And I think that we're, I think that we're on, on the move to that. Space. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If, if PE is even still in the curriculum, which is a whole other thing. Because, <laughs> you know, um, 2022 teacher shortage. But I think that, I think that a lot of people who came out of the PE, like who got spit, chewed up and spit out by PE are like, on the move, trying to like shift that experience for a lot of other people. So I'm really happy for that. 
Yeah, I mean, not, and it's beyond us, right? It's it's people in schools, it's people that are writing curriculum, people that are maybe even writing policy for movement in schools. Because as you know, the presidential fitness test was total hogwash and nonsense. And if you don't know about I was that, like, y'all. I, I don't even care about the president. Right. <laughs> yeah, they would tell us the president would be reported. Like we were, they were reporting our scores to the president. That's what I was told, is that this goes to the government. And again, I'm, I know this isn't the this isn't the podcast we're trying to have, but like extremely institutional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, welcome to my Catholic government. Our our workers good enough to run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. It was, and then you you just wrap in a little dose of like you lied to get out of gym class, and now you got to go to confession on Tuesday because that's what we do in the school, y'all. I mean, it's all really tricky and messy, and I am really glad to have folks like Lauren. Uh, in my life, because it, you've been a vital part of me and learning a lot of those things and so many of people that are listening today. So um, that's that, that session was really just for you to tell us your thoughts. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll, we'll end today a couple minutes on school lunch. So we could talk about this forever. We're not really going to get into policy or current school lunch issues, though. There are so many things we could talk about. I just kind of want to know the basics. Lauren, did you buy or did you bring? Um, combo okay. and barter. Okay, great. Oh, so you're, you're, jump, you're jumping to you're jumping the notes a little bit. Uh, that's amazing. So, buy, bringer barter. Tell us about it. Um, so I I was eating school lunch like in elementary. I didn't really get packed like lunches, um, unless it was like a special occasion or something. But also. Again, I'm not using a planner. My mom's not checking the food <laughs> calendar. Like I was showing up and you were like, get what you get and you don't get upset. So I like, that's how that rolled. And then middle school is definitely where a lot of my eating issues started. So I would say, I don't remember most of the time eating lunch in middle school. I remember meeting my middle school best friend early in the morning early we both got dropped off early and we would sit on benches outside of all of the eating areas not anywhere near the eating areas and we would share food in the morning cute and then that would pretty much be it for the day yeah you know like to be a fat middle schooler and eat is like not something that's allowed um right you know like you're there's definitely a lot of peer pressure for that whole situation for me. And then in high school, yeah, barter, trade, snacks, I think. And, you know, I've never been a snack person. So that's probably like also where some of that, you know, like, why am I eating a granola bar? Like, this isn't it. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I'm not a granola bar type of person. And then late high school, I started eating breakfast and then would maybe like occasionally go, I, I qualified for free lunch my whole, my whole career, um, in school. So sometimes I'd go in there, punch in a few numbers, get a free burrito, (laughs) you know, sometimes burrito days are good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and then, then it was like the, also that's like another place where socioeconomics like reared their head. I know we're not getting into it, but it's like some kids were able to afford giant, giant cookie for snack. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew about plate cookies. Did you guys know, have plate cookies? Uh, um, the high school I taught I had plate cookies. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or like pizza or both. Yeah. Um, and so like, obviously like what high schooler doesn't want to eat pizza every day. I don't know if that's like an open forum for that. <laughs> As a high schooler, I absolutely wanted to eat pizza every day. And again, things going on with me internally, I was not eating pizza every day. I was not eating a sufficient amount every day. And I was trying to pretend that I didn't eat anything because I didn't want to be there. Um, so right. I think school lunch, school lunch definitely was interesting for me just from a variety of angles. And I, um, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Catholic school lunch was like, because mm. I want to know. I really yeah. want to know. Truly. So Catholic school lunch took place in the same place that you came in in the morning when it was raining. So it was your like morning bus holdout. It was the place where you had gym class. It was the place where the talent show happened. It was the place where you ate lunch. It was the place where the church had after church things. It was where bagel night happened. It was the Catholic gymatorium. And that is pretty much my understanding for most Catholic schools is that incredible use of space. I will give them that. Um, it was one day a week. I'm sorry. Like each day of the week had a different food. So Mondays was always a chicken product. So chicken patty, chicken nuggets. Tuesday was always some sort of taco, like, you know, it was taquitos or it was tacos or whatever variation these moms were putting together. It was never, um, you know, it wasn't scratch cooking, but it also wasn't like the school lunches you see now where the kids get the tray with the pre-sealed food. Um, this was, you know, they was made in the kitchen by moms, your friends, moms, volunteers ran school lunch in Catholic schools. So everyone was pretty nice and you never felt any judgment for going to get the food. The judgment happened when you sat down and you were either by yourself or you were with friends or you got elected to sit with some cool people and they were eating gushers, Dunkaroos, fruit by the foot, like the name brand cool snacks that my family of five couldn't keep in the house if they tried because you need to buy 10 of them, 10 boxes of them because there's only four to six in a box. I had three uh-huh. brothers and my mom packed all of our lunches. I packed lunch for my siblings when I was a little bit older, but for the most part, my mom packed lunch and there was some judgment, you know, from, from peers and, oh my God, you're going to eat that. I always remember kids who brought thermoses. I was like, what is in there? What liquid did you bring to school? Because it seemed so odd. I had me. access to, I had access to a thermos, um, but that's because my grandma's a hoarder. Um, <laughs> and so we had like 20 lunch pail options. I would also like to ask, did you guys have name brand like Ziplocs if no. you ever had them? Or we did never you have twisties. We didn't have Ziplocs. We had the old bread bags. We had tin foil, like whatever my mom could find. She did not. My grandma would Ziplocs. buy the little bags that like folded over and you could put like a twist tie Yes, on. yes, yes, yes. My mom hated those, but we did have them if she like purchased them by accident. Yes. Woman, why though? Because we are not even using that many. We're not using enough that even dollar store Ziplocs wouldn't have been better. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, oh I feel God. like there was definitely the package. Like for me, there was drama around the lunchbox. Um, my mom always wanted things to be kept cool and cold. And I just, I never cared. I, I'd eat food at any temperature. And I will say, I give a lot of credit to my mom for uh, having the time and the energy. I don't know where she got it to prep all of these lunches because she had to save money and we could not buy lunch. But I always bought lunch on Monday and I always bought lunch on Fridays, which was Pizza Friday. That's pretty common in Catholic schools too, because it's an easy food for Lent. So when you're not 
doing meat on Friday. Um, someone always ran the, the snack counter. So there was a mom who ran the snack counter. There was soda sales on Friday. I don't remember a lot of shame per se. It was very internal because I would go to the mm-hmm. doctor and the doctor would be like, you shouldn't eat bread. You shouldn't eat a lot of meat, cheese, mayo. And my mom would make me a roast beef sandwich. Like it was like my favorite thing in the world. So sometimes I'd feel like, you know, maybe I was judging myself harder in front of all these people wondering, are they thinking the same thing my doctor told me? Uh, but again, credit to my mom for just making it anyway and making sure I was fed. By high school, we had this pretty cool situation in my high school junior, senior year where you sat in a lounge. It was like rock, like wicker rocking chairs, cushions. It was so nice. And I don't remember my friends not eating, but a lot of them were like, yeah, I never eat lunch. Or like, oh, I just, you know, had that same biscuit from earlier for breakfast, or they'd spend a lot of time in the library. So I think that was an interesting time because while you were socializing, someone else might've been not eating and no one knew. And so I found that to be super interesting. I I was not eating. I was not eating. And I was also in a classroom working on something or working in a a club meeting. Um, Yeah. And that like made that, that made that process a little bit more seamless because you weren't in a contained area that you're supposed to sit down at. Also, I went to my high school had like over four thousand people, so um, right, it's like a small town. <laughs> like, yeah, they there don't was... care if you're not eating. They don't know who you are. <laughs> right. But I, when I was teaching in a school that large, I only knew my students. Right. When they come back from lunch, I would ask them, "Did you eat? Yeah, what you needed?" Um, but in my high school, everyone knew everything about everybody. It was. 350 to maybe 400 students and total total yeah so you knew everyone in your class you knew everybody's business oh. and if you didn't you would soon find out um oh. it was a yeah so I mean there it was kind of strange and I felt like there was a weird talk in my high school about oh well we eat like whales at this school because there's no boys here and I just found that to be a really awful dialogue like we don't eat we eat a lot here because boys aren't looking but when the boys are around we would eat differently like that was a plus someone in admissions would be like it's so nice for the girls because they can eat freely and I just thought in what world are we pushing that narrative well this world obviously but that was a really strange thing for me to have promoted as a positive of my school like you can eat like a big girl here but and then like also low-key people weren't eating. <laughs> it's odd. Yeah, that's very interesting since I never went to a school that was like all boys or mm-hmm. all girls. I didn't even think about that. Like when I, even when I'm thinking about you having 400 people at your school or whatever, I was assuming that it was like all genders and I forgot that it wasn't. Yeah, like, right. That's so wild to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I don't think I have a lot of holdouts from that, but definitely I know my friends do and um, they have come a long way, you know, from kind of thinking I should skip lunch today because the dance is tomorrow and that type of stuff. Um, it happened. There was a lot of diet talk um, and ultimately it really came down to who were your friends with and what were your parents like and what did they promote? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. School lunch was I never skipped it per se, but I definitely found ways to eat less. That was, you know, kind of what you learned. Um, Is there anything else about school lunch you feel super pertinent to share? Do you have a favorite school lunch snack besides the plate cookie? Oh, (laughs) me and plate cookie are almost still in a relationship at this point. (laughs) Um, No, I don't have a favorite snack. I do think that like, it's interesting thinking, navigating a space where 
it was all genders versus a gender thing. Like that really is kind of blowing my mind right now, to be honest. Um, Mm. Because yeah, that just totally wasn't my experience and my friend group and everything like that. But I think uh, growing up in a very multicultural space in Long Beach, California, like one of the clubs I was part of was All Islanders Get Along Club. Oh, that's amazing. When I tell you that is the club you wanted to be at when they had a food day. Sure. Oh my sure. God. Oh my gosh. Plates, amazing. Never running out of food. <laughs> Very much like uh, connected to culture. And I think there are a lot of those clubs. Like, I mean, I know there are a lot of those clubs. So I think my, like, when we're thinking about food and school lunch and things around that stuff, um, the clubs and learning about different people's cultural foods, obviously never left my, my, my heart, my palate, my mind. And I think that I, I actually, I know that it's like a great privilege to have been in a city and a space where I can try food that maybe people would never get to try. So that is one thing about growing up in a huge melting pot and going to a school where there were 4,000 people. Yep. Yeah. And I can speak to that as a teacher. I never learned more about cultural foods until I was a teacher. I was 22 years old and I was in a school with 4,000 people and we had cultural food uh, in clubs, events, all that kind of stuff. And I freaking loved it. I mean, the most cultural food we had in my uh, French cooking style cafeteria, it was odd to have some sort of like French trained chef um it, you know it was not more than like a taco tuesday or uh you know a crepe. <laughs> oh a crepe. Yeah. <laughs> a crepe um or like vodka sauce and pasta like that was about as like cuisine we were getting and cuisine um i feel like it was really cool to see that come together because kids got to learn that these other foods were not only part of someone's daily life, but they were delicious. Mm-hmm. And that really brings kids together. Again, remember I had said the soup thing, the chili thing, like we didn't eat that when I was growing up and, until we were much older. And I used to find that kind of strange. Like, what is this liquid you're bringing to school? Like, I just wasn't exposed to it. So it gives, I think, the kids such a better opportunity to get to know foods and potentially to have a better relationship with food too, when they get to absolutely different cultural foods. Yeah. I- I think that, I think that that is just, I mean, I feel like I could recommend, I'm not the dietitian. I could recommend <laughs> that. To, I would, I would recommend that to everyone because I'm a personal trainer and not staying in my lane. So <laughs> if you are struggling with food, just, just cultural foods. Yeah. yeah. But like for real, I think that, I think that that changed my outlook on food and it's changed my outlook on the way that I cook for myself and like the, um, the ideas and the inspiration that I have that things more interesting. Uh, we can get into that, of course, coming up with like guests that we're going to have on, Sure, but you know, I think that's number one. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I think, you know, wrapping it all up, it's helpful to see that perfect schedule, your uniform, your PE class and your school lunch all came with a structure that was handed to you. Like you really didn't get a say in those things. And now as adults, we do. And it is incredible to be able to reframe these things. And that's exactly what we're going to do next week, which I'm pumped about. Uh, But as we kind of think about all the things we talked about today, 
maybe you look back and you cringe, maybe you look back and you laugh and you smile. Ultimately, we can look back and then we get to look at now and look forward. And so I'm excited to see what we bring next week for creating a new relationship with back to school energy and how how it pertains to these same four topics we talked about today. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Lauren, any last words, thoughts, greetings for the weekend or the Um, week ahead? If you want to join our Patreon, we will make a, a planner for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will we're embroider a sweater planners. for you. Yeah. We're, we're launching planners and pins. No. Um. <laughs> yeah, the merch section will be called uniforms. <laughs> yes. Costumes. Yes. Uniforms and costumes. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about what's your, what's your rest day costume next? <laughs> Ooh, um, no. So I, I only had snark to say, but I think that I'm really looking forward to the reframe and uh, interested to see what folks say after they listen to this. Yeah, I would be pumped and I would be so grateful for any of your support, whether you're sharing our podcast uh, on social media, sending it to a friend, giving us an awesome review, all those things really help and just help help us get heard by other people that might really like our message. And if you can support us financially via Patreon, we would so appreciate that. And we'll make sure there is a plastic ruler in your planner for perfect lines that you'll get to draw. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We welcome your questions, thoughts, and feedback, and we look forward to talking to you next week. See ya. See ya.